Hey everyone, just a quick word before we get into the episode, just because I forgot to mention it during the actual recording, but I did want to clarify that the copies of the book that Tom and I are using for this review were were sent to us by Wizards of the Coast as press review copies. So with that out of the way, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael, and we are here tonight to do a review of the newest Wizards of the Coast hardback D&D 5e supplement, Candlekeep Mysteries. Joining me tonight, as always, is co-host Tom. Tom, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. And then join us for a special guest co-hosting is Kyle. Kyle, say hello to everyone. Hi. Kyle, uh, for those who don't know, uh, go ahead and tell us then... uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, why are you here? Who's Kyle? Uh, I'm only here because I said I had a copy of the book in the Discord. And Tom was like, well, why don't you come on the show? But uh, no, I'm the uh, producer, director, dungeon master, editor, and content creator for Tavern Tales, an ongoing 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons dungeon-crawling podcast that comes out every Wednesday. What's great about that is it it really is similar, my podcast, to Candlekeep Mysteries because we're going through the tales from the Yawning Portal, each individual dungeon mm-hmm. ongoing. And that's the other book that Watsi's released that's very similar to this one. Furthermore, I do a stream every Saturday afternoon, four o'clock Eastern on YouTube called What the Fiction with my wife, where we've been going through the MCU released television shows on their Disney Plus platform. So I'm over overjoyed to get to be here today to talk about this and uh, and hope that if you like the things I have to say, you come check out the other stuff I've done and I'm doing. All right. Excellent. Well, we're very happy to have you join us. Thank you so much for doing so. Tom and I think everyone knows us, but just to, just in case, you can find everything I do at the RPG Academy. Where can people find you on the internet, Tom? If they want to yell at you for your wrong bad opinions, it's okay. Uh, you can follow me at Bezcar Tom on Twitter, Mandalorian Metal Tom on Twitter. Yes, excellent. So as I mentioned at the top, we're here to, today to review the newest uh, hardback from Wizard of the Coast called Candlekeep Mysteries. It is a collection of seventeen different short-ish mini adventures. They range from level 1 to 16 with two different adventures covering level 4. No idea why. I missed that. I missed that. Like, I, I was yeah. I was about to correct you, Michael. I was like, <laughs> Michael, it's actually 16 adventures. But then I, you said that, and I looked. Okay, there. Okay, 17. There's a little bit at the top of the book where we get a little bit of a primer on Candlekeep, because Candlekeep appears in every one of the adventures. In some cases, that may be Ooh. almost like just a name, like a waft on the wind. But Tom, if you don't mind starting, what kind of kind of candle keep? What is it? Why is it important? Yeah, yeah. What does this book tell us about it? So, uh, as you kind of mentioned, Michael, this is the new. It's a advent, new adventure anthology uh, that uses candle keep as the uh, the loose backbone for these adventures. What is candle keep, though? We get a very very brief chapter at the beginning that goes through candle keep, and I was actually going to ask you all this t- because. I am relatively new to Dungeons and Dragons in the sense that I got into role playing games with Fifth Edition. Okay, so I know Candlekeep has a very storied history within D and D mythos and everything. I the first my first introduction to Candlekeep was in the Baldur's Gate game when last year I decided beginning of quarantine I had some spare time. I was like, you know, I'm gonna go play this old game. I played played it for like an hour and i was like yeah i'm done but all i remember was in candle keep like the beginning of Baldur's gate like some old wizard like kicks me out and is like yeah go on an adventure and then the wizard died but um so i was wondering do you guys have i know right i'm sorry do you guys have what's your all's experience kyle what's your experience then with candle keep you got any storied history with it i've in like 30 years ago i read some of the books that had candle keep in them Um, I know that this is a mainstay place of lore and knowledge and wisdom in the Forgotten Realms on the Sword Coast. Uh, But again, my experience is principally with this book and with Baldur's Gate 1 as well. I mean, it doesn't even factor into Baldur's Gate 2. (laughs) I did not know that. I didn't make it that far, remember? I made it like an hour. Yeah, and again, that hour is the the breadth of Candlekeep. You can go back because you're from there. But... 
beyond that, I don't have that much of a of a history with Bald- with Candlekeep. It's never been something that well, seems uh, to be inspiring to send people to. I know. I, I and I wish and I and I wish I could, yeah, never mind, I'll get into that. All right. So um Michael, um uh what about you? You have any history with Candlekeep in your many years of role playing games? Pretty much the same. I played the first Baldur's Gate, though I did play it almost to completion. It actually glitched out on me during the final battles. So I've never actually beaten that game. But yes, you start off in Candlekeep, but you don't really interact with the Candlekeep portion. You're basically in the little keep around it, and then you get kicked out and you're on the adventure. As I've said many times, I never really played in any of the, the core settings. I always homebrewed everything. So even when I was playing as, you know, 15-year-old, whatever, in college and 20 and all that stuff, I always made up my own worlds. I like the idea of Candlekeep. It's kind of a fun fantasy idea of this repository of knowledge that, you know, you can only get in if you bring them a book they don't have, that you can go there to basically look at, you know, just all the, it's a great place in any sort of mystery story is a place that you can go. I like that as an element on execution. It was okay. You know, reading through the first couple of chapters or first chapter of the book on that, I wasn't like, inspired to mm-hmm. necessarily want to like make sure Candlekeep is in the next game or a version of Candlekeep. But it's cool, I guess. Gotcha. I'm personally a big fan of libraries, especially the public library system, and I definitely vote on all public library initiatives that get put on my local ballot. So I'm like I'm already somebody who's like I'm I'm all about Candlekeep. So what is Candlekeep though? It is we have this chapter, like I said, and the first thing that it tells you is that it's this enormous library that in order to gain entrance to the library you must bring a a book a some uh, some sort of something written a song a recipe something that that the library doesn't have already so they they don't want any duplicates they want that they want the the good original content okay uh they will. It does say here that they will take, you know, signed copies and special editions. So I'm glad they include that. But uh, it's it's what they they stress really early on in this is that Candlekeep is very difficult to get into. All right, we, I will say this. One of my favorite parts about this opening chapter is that they include some really fun wards. You know, for those mm-hmm. really tricky players who are gonna be like, try. Oh, I'll just fly in. And it's like there's like specific rules for this. It's like somebody thought about this somebody played in candlekeep and somebody did that and so they wrote about it so there's all sorts of ways to keep the players out of candlekeep and all that this does though is it it's trying to entice them to to get in all right so uh along in this first chapter you get some npcs to help flesh out uh candlekeep and you get the the hierarchy of the librarians or the sages or the the avowed that that's what they call them the avowed all right uh you get the hierarchy of the avowed and then you get uh, a bunch of different locations uh for candlekeep but it's very important that these locations are only at the kind of like the the courtyard this is like where the us, us common common plebeians where we, we we hang out uh we are not the scholars this is where we brought our book we come in and we can ask somebody to go get us a book to read uh but we're not getting into the inner parts of candlekeep which i don't know about you all but that was pretty disappointing for myself because they talk about all oh, this grand castle and then they're like you can only go in the courtyard and i was and then the map the map is so big and beautiful in the back of the book but you can only go in a tiny tiny little piece of the map and that was very well, disappointing. You're only supposed to go. Yeah, there. I know. But what'd you all think about this first part here? Kyle, what'd, what'd you think here? So what we got was seven pages of text. I know you called it a chapter, but you take yeah, out the it's... pictures and you make the half pages as they are, and you get seven pages of text, which is really short for what you should be getting for the quality of you this is called candlekeep mysteries i would have thought that i was going to get a much more in-depth purview into what it means to be there what are the themes and what are the motifs that i'm going to get to play and what are what are you normally going to see when you go into there and we get some npcs you get a little random table for guides you find out the majority of people who are going there are just going to be seekers and it doesn't really tell you how you get to become 
become an avowed so that you do potentially get access through the emerald door, which is like of everyone's yes. going to want to go through that door. It's emerald. It's big. They even have a picture of it. Yep. And so it's, I yeah. want I wanted that. And then it, it, to, to extrapolate even further upon it, what's missing is about a 20 page primer on how to set an entire chronicle using each of these 16 or 17 adventures if you do the fourth one twice um if you do all of these adventures and go one level to the next to the next how would you set that and this book doesn't give you that this book doesn't give you any way to to you have to write it yourself which mm -hmm. i mean i bought this book why am i writing more <laughs> i know right uh I agree with that. I'm going to circle back to that. But Michael, I want to get your general thoughts on this. This first chapter here. What'd you think? It was okay. I I don't have the same problems that, that Kyle seemed to express because I don't think this book is designed in any way to be a book that you're going to go through. I think it's more of a choose your own, like, you know, this and that. And then the rest of the book you just don't use. But again, I wasn't inspired to want necessarily to use Candlekeep in my my games going forward. And, you know, I think it's easy to, to Monday morning quarterback these types of things, but like, I'm going to do that right now. If it were me putting this book together, I would have had each of the 17 mysteries take a piece or part of Candlekeep and make that integral to the adventure so that that fleshes it out. So we would get 17 either, like maybe four of them are NPCs that are named that are part of it. Maybe five of them are locations and rooms and that kind of thing. So that it would feel like it actually was in Candlekeep. Because the book, from the book, it says, if you don't want to use this in Candlekeep, you don't have to. And they're right. You, There is nothing about this that makes it have to be Candlekeep. And I kind of think that's a mistake. Yeah. So for me, I, I agree with both of you. But uh, Kyle, especially that I really, I got, I'm. I grabbed it. I'm like, I like mysteries. I like libraries. This sounds really cool. I like books, especially that focus on one location. But I didn't, I didn't feel like this was a candlekeep book at the end of the day. Uh, so what I did, though, was I went through each of the adventures and I went and picked out which adventures actually I feel like tie into candlekeep. All right. And out of the 17, there's actually only and somebody can come tell me I'm wrong, but there's actually, I think, only five adventures that really tie into the deeper lore of Candlekeep. All right. So those are the joy of extra dimensional spaces, Mazfroth's might digressions, a candle keep destruction, obviously. Uh, you then get the Book of Inner Alchemy, and that's loosely because it's there's an attack on the candle keep before you get you flee off somewhere else. And then Shemshine's bedtime rhyme, which is actually really cool, and that kind of that 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 takes place fully in candle keep. So you really only get about five that totally take the place in Candlekeep. The rest of the adventures are really, their connection to Candlekeep is, there is a book. Candlekeep is a library. So, that said though, it's definitely, uh, I'm not getting Candlekeep, but as you move into the adventures, there are some really cool unique adventures uh, that I do think that we want to talk about. So, yeah, so that's the way we're going to structure this review. There are 17 adventures in the book that again go level 1 to 16, 4 gets hit twice. So what we decided to do is we're going to cover three of these. Each of us will take one, one of them in the lower section, one in the higher section, one kind of in the middle. And we are going to spoil those three. Yes. So we're going to talk about them in depth, what what their overall story is, or might hit on some specific elements of them. But those are the only three we're going to touch on in any sort of spoilerly way. And we will tell you which three we are going to do as we do them. Uh, and then we're still going to do like an overall rating, sort of surmising all that information together. Uh, so, Kyle, you actually have the first adventure. So you, you chose one of the lower levels. So which adventure did you choose? What level is it? And then just kind of go into I it. I cheated please. is what I did. Okay. Um, and I did all, all of the adventures from one to four. Uh, because they weren't very big, right? They're they're pretty short. Okay. Uh, and as Tom has hinted at, it, because most of the ones that he mentioned actually revolve really d deeply about um, Candlekeep itself, 
the Candlekeep driven ones are the very beginning adventures. So a lot of the other yes. ones, the later on ones are here's a book that, yeah, there's a library. Go do this cool, awesome mystery because they and I understand it would probably be pretty hard to get a whole bunch of writers, a lot of them first time writers for Watsi in this case, um, who have done great things, won Ennies and gotten awards in the last little while. So they've gotten these great new writers to come up with great new vision and new perspectives. And then they said, OK, it's going to be set in Candlekeep and they're all mysteries. Go. So some of them really hit hard on the mystery side of things. And some of them have focused really hard on the Candlekeep side of things. So real quick overview uh, is The Joy of Extra Dimensional Spaces. It's about Mordenkainen and a permanent Mordenkainen's mansion. And then you kind of get stuck in it. And I won't go more beyond that because it's good and it's a first level adventure but i think you could probably you could probably adapt this to any anywhere up to like level seven if you just changed some of those npc and those mob fights i think you've got a really fun adventure that really locks your players down puts them into a position where they're uncomfortable and then they have to kind of solve a mystery to get out of it and then the rep what's great about the is like the end of it there's a whole bunch of loose questions that the storyteller the writer of the adventure is like so these are all some things that might happen afterwards that you might want to think about for a further adventures down the line which is great like that's that's good stuff you gave them a really good solid adventure that leaves the door open for more or uh, depending on what your players want to do after they've done the things in the adventure. So it's a good one. Maz Froth's Mighty Digressions. That one is the one I was like, okay, I'm going to review this one. And But it's all over the place. And I, I get what Alison Huang was trying to do when she wrote it. There's a lot of who is this person transformative elements of it because there's a lot of where rats, where jackals, things aren't what they seem. But the, the adventure is all over the place and it's hard to pick each specific scenario to the next um you have to do a lot of hand holding of your players to get them to go to the places you need them to be for the set pieces of this adventure in in exclusion each of these pieces are quite good and overall it's nice um it's just it would be really hard to run and it, these characters are level two so they don't have a they shouldn't have a huge background and depth in the world yet so it's hard to maybe push this along especially with the history that they've got going on. Okay, we're going to skip the Book of the Raven because it's written by Chris Perkins and it's great, it's good, but it's Perkins. So, you know... It's vampires. Yeah, it's, it's classic Perkins. Um, and then A Deep and Creeping Darkness is all right, um, but not related to Candlekeep at all. You don't even need Candlekeep for this. You could literally just drop this anywhere, have a great mystery. This old town's vanished. Oh, my. And there's some neat me mechanisms that are going on in there. That's pretty cool. But the highlight, the gem, the beautiful piece, I think I want to say nay of the entire book is Shemshime's Bedtime Rhyme. I, I kind of agree, I, I, I kind of agree with you. This is a very good one. It is brilliant. It's in Candlekeep. It's entirely set there. You don't have to leave the you're, you're locked in. In other words, there are some wonderful themes that are happening here in regards to who the bad guy is, what the bad guy wants, how to defeat the bad guy, how you plant that information for your PCs, the NPCs and their relationship, not only with each other, but how it patterns out with the PCs themselves. And you're all locked down. There's no way out. And you're cursed you're all your players and this is important you need to come up with either some catchy little ditty and i wish the game had given us this i wish that that song whatever it is that this shemshime's bedtime rhyme is i want that song because i want to creepily whisper it to my players in the beginning and get them to the point where they're creepily whispering it themselves unconsciously and then because that's what this adventure is all about is this song this little earworm getting caught in your head and summoning forth an undead spirit to rain devastation down upon everyone and you it, you have and they don't realize it until it's too late and things are already in motion and the way the adventure is laid out is 
perfect. It gives you all of your set pieces. Like, here is the flow. This is what the story arc is going to be. Okay, we've given you the story arc. Here are your locations and when are these things are going to, ha going to happen. It's thought in the perspective of a dungeon master first. Not a story writer, not a writer, but a dungeon master gave some thought as to like, how would I write this out so that another dungeon master can easily understand the beats I'm going for and then give the locations that'll matter in this. It's a brilliant adventure. I don't think it's worth the entire price of the book, but it's good. It's so good. I love these. So as I, so as somebody really, I really enjoy RPG layout and when information is presented in a proper way and reading through these, just how they have the different events structured. Yeah. It made it so easy to read. Like, and that was just, that was great as it was just, it, it, I understood. I was able to comprehend what, what the adventure was trying to do. And also, it is creepy. Just <laughs> is some weird stuff going on. I love it. So. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant work. Great job. All right. Well, you're going to make me look like the asshole because I just did one. <laughs> so I took the mid-level level adventure. And the one that I settled on uh, is the level seven adventure called Sarah of Yellowcrest Manor. It was written by Derek Ruiz and developed and edited by Scott Fitzgerald Gray. And this is a very sort of standard, pardon the pun, by the book mystery. Uh, it also is, at least of the few that I looked at, one of the least tangentially tied to Candlekeep. There is absolutely no reason this adventure is set in Candlekeep other than it's tied to a book. But that book could literally be anywhere and one of my issues is if I'm in Candlekeep as a player, I'm probably there for a reason. And I don't know that this mystery gives me a compelling enough reason to stop whatever I'm there for to do this first, which is what I feel like the adventure is doing. It's like you're doing a thing and then plop, you've got this mystery that you have to deal with, but there's no great motivation for why you would do it. The book offers a couple suggestions that maybe there's a if there's a character who has a backstory that somewhat is tied either to like cult uh, activity or maybe some sort of tragedy that would match the tragedy of the, the NPCs that are in here. Sure, but I would have liked a little bit more than that. Uh, essentially, what happens is one of the books has a spirit attached to it, a, a, a murder victim. So her ghost emanates forth from this book when one of the PCs is nearby. Um, it doesn't have a tongue, which can cause some problems. When you're talking to a ghost, there's already a little bit of a, uh, of a barrier. And then we've included that they can't speak, uh, but they do understand common. They can use gesticulation and they even have the possession ability that maybe you could use. And you're going to find out that they are one of many people that were murdered at one time. Uh, through the investigation, there's a couple obvious lead suspects. I think right off the bat, we all know exactly who it was. Uh, but the book will let you do some research and some role play, maybe do some investigative checks to find out who's actually involved. We find out that this series of murders was tied to a larger plot of a person trying to start a cult and get a, a, basically a patron to an older god that was successful. So there is now an active and growing cult that the players will need to uh, basically deal with, infiltrate, decimate, that kind of thing. Um, and there's also a, a a lover who is became really sad when their mister or their lady, not their mistress, died, became a hero, uh, and they will get tied into the adventure as well if the players bring them in and they have a chance of having some kind of truly emotional role playing. I think if anything. I, this this book or this adventure I chose gave me more opportunities for role play or gives me um, nuggets. What I think this could be like emotional. This could be impactful. The mystery itself is pretty meh. Um, I think the NPCs are pretty okay. There's there wasn't anything in there stood out. There's a little map. There's a little bit of dungeon crawl. There's some combat in there. But for me, the part that I attached to was I think I could wring a lot of drama and emotion out of my characters in these situations, this, the mystery becomes secondary. Yeah. The, the Michael, my, my one note about that one, I, I have a note written, not candle key. That's, that's all. <laughs> that is my note <laughs> for that one. Yes. So no. Okay. So, all right. So I took the high level adventure. So 
the reason that I really wanted to do a high level adventure is is something we I've talked about with Michael recently. In our Waterdeep, uh, not our Waterdeep, our Ghosts of Saltmarsh game, which is also another anthology. That one's a little that I mean I love Ghosts of Saltmarsh because it has a through line throughout all of the all the adventures and they all the adventures take place in Saltmarsh. So it, it kind of get that cohesive whole. But uh, what I'm dealing with in my Saltmarsh game right now is that my characters are kind of high level now okay high level is very hard uh in dnd it just everything kind of breaks down there's a lot more work for the dungeon master because if you if you don't really think about what you're doing uh before the session things can just kind of fall apart real quickly and my players are great role players and everything so we can kind of we we pl- we go with things a lot of times but what i'm really really craving for is some really well balanced high level uh, games and I haven't really figured out how to do it yet. So looking through these, we've we've got a few different high level ones, but the one that stuck stood out to me was the Alakazar's Appendix. All right, uh, I picked this because uh, it's got a whole lot of high level monsters. All right, it takes place in a desert, and as somebody who grew up watching Indiana Jones and the Mummy movies, like this is this is like the genre that I like. Okay. Uh, and then also it's got appendix in it, which is another thing that we're missing from this book. So I figured I might as well just go ahead and read uh, the uh, this appendix adventure. But no, no, I, I kid. But so this adventure is a very lots of high level monsters in this. So it is not a there's no mystery element of all. But we're talking we get some we get a purple worm, a dragon turtle and a dracolich all in one adventure. So that's your jam. This adventure will work really well for you. And one of the things, though, about this adventure is that it has one of the coolest backstories, all right, uh, out of all of these adventures. My problem, though, is it is the opposite of Shemshine's bedtime rhyme, all right? This information in this adventure is so hard to digest, and the way it's laid out early on, it's very confusing. They start talking about a nether scroll, and I'm like, what is a nether scroll? And then uh, a few chap- a few paragraphs later, they explain, oh, here's what a nether scroll is, all right? So, and then once I kind of had, I flipped back and forth between this, and once I really started digesting this, it was an awesome backstory and it felt really epic and something that this is something that a high level adventurers would be doing so uh so a long uh, took a long time to get to it but uh so this story is basically about a, a renowned adventurer named alcazar he left his journals at candlekeep all right the players find an appendix of his uh it's got notes and then also information about an unfinished quest as they're reading this book a page teleports them away from Candlekeep, and they are now in the desert. Okay, but it's cool. It's a cool setting. All right, all right. It's not Candlekeep, but the the players start reading in his this journal, and that there is this lost prince who was trying to keep this Nether Scroll away from this really evil dragon, and the dragon was gonna get it. So there's this big old battle, and so the prince decided to entomb himself forever because the dragon was like okay fine i'm gonna curse you and when you die i get the scroll so the prince was like uh jokes on you i'm entombing myself and then going into like a hibernation and i'm never gonna die so there's kind of like this stalemate between this undead or this prince who's in hibernation almost like a mummy and this dragon who is now a dracolich because it's been so long so the players are now they get dumped into the desert and they meet up with some locals who the locals are like oh yes we know all about this let us take you where you need to go so it's very much that's very helpful it is because usually they're like well no we don't know but they know it is and so one of the things that i realized that uh this adventure is very much on the rails all right and I'm on the record saying that I don't think that's a problem, all right, if if your players are bought into it, okay? And so, but I, this high-level adventure works because it's so much on the rails. Uh, and so it's basically, it's, it's like a greatest hits. Like, you get to take your players to these really cool set pieces, 
drop this really epic monster on them and then do a really cool encounter and then just there's not a whole lot of mystery here but it's really there's a lot of cool scene setting a lot of cool uh things for your players to do so it really worked for me as a high level adventure and then i think that uh this this setting this one was written by adam lee and he really didn't nail the epicness and the the grandness of the desert and he nailed that uh so my like my big complaint with this one is obviously the the layout it was very hard to read all right uh at the beginning it took a lot to really grasp it and it wasn't a mystery but i think that that uh that ship has sailed and we have already decided that a lot of these are not mysteries so but anyway that is alakazar's appendix also i will say this there is actually the uh the i i don't know how to pronounce it. it's like the kenopic bean is also another one that deals with uh mummies so i'm all about mummies and necropolises and all that kind of stuff that's cool stuff so anyway that's the that's the high level adventure here that i picked okay so i think at this point we actually covered seven <laughs> of the 17 so you actually got a lot more uh more in-depth uh, review than i than i was expecting uh but we still left a lot of plenty of blanks so oh, if you're is. someone who's going to be playing in these hopefully we didn't ruin at least too many of them and if you're a dm then there's lots of still exciting things for you to discover on your own uh so there's a couple thoughts i want to get to and then we'll kind of like do a group discussion one we wanted to touch on there was a little bit of a controversy with this yes. book when it came out one of the the writers had some things to say about how the adventure was changed after they had turned in their final version and they were surprised and disappointed with some of the changes that had been made to the published version that was not in the version they turned in tom is there any i mean i don't want to get too far into it but anything else you want to no, elaborate no, that's on fair. that no for real uh most people know uh so panzer lion on on twitter he was one of the the writers on this uh on this in this adventure uh his adventure was the book of cylinders and the and one of the things that they brought up on twitter was that the adventure that they submitted was not what was published okay there was a very loose uh the the structure was still kind of there but the message that they were trying to 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 uh give was just kind of stripped away and uh they weren't consulted on any of the edits and honestly that kind of sucks uh that that was how the the creative process for this went that said I don't know, uh, and none of us really know the the business dealings of the giant corporation that is Wizards of the Coast. Uh, so there is a, there's a it's it's a lot to uh, to grasp, and also something that we really need to be cognizant about, especially uh, since Wizards does use a lot of uh, freelancers. So just being really careful about how they're and kind of making sure that they're treating them well and respectfully. So it's it's one of the things I was very disappointed to hear about it. Uh, so just be aware that an author's vision was changed for their uh, adventure in here. Uh, I don't think this is a, this probably isn't, Watsi's probably not the only RPG corporation to do this. Uh, but still, I think, uh, especially if you're a new freelancer, uh, trying to get in, just understand and really know, and this is not Panzer Lion's fault that this happened, but just really understand that some of this stuff can happen. So just be really aware and really careful when you're talking to uh, the editors and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to quickly just talk about is the cover. We, we almost always do this. Yes. There are, there's obviously an alternate cover for this book. Uh, so Tom, looking at the alternate cover and the actual, the, the regular cover, any comparison contrast you like one more than the other how do you feel about the alt covers? so i actually typically don't like the alt covers but i really do like that alt cover a ton i think it's cool i like the red i like the gold it gives me that good old timey book feel like i dig it uh kyle which which cover did you buy i always get the streamlined amazon version copy it's too hard to get to my lfgs um in order to buy the fancier version of it and uh so yeah just keeping my collection you know consistent cohesive all of your all of your 
bindings match then on exactly. your bookshelf. <laughs> I know, right? I, I can totally get yeah. that. That is why I've probably I, I there are some alt covers that I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool, especially Candlekeep. But I was like, at the end of the day, I was like, I can't have that on my shelf because the binding <laughs> is not the same as all the other yep. ones, and it would confuse. Feel, I feel the same way. All right. So bindings <laughs> aside, and, and your purchasing options aside, do you like oh, the alt cover? Like, you know, in a perfect world where you had if them I all, had what both copies, I'd I'd be happy. Um, I don't think I'd ever need two copies of this of this material though um speaking on this material too i i i i'm puzzled about this anthology because there are if i'm only going to use one or two of it why would i spend all the money on it when i could just get comparable things on dm's guild which is where that stuff is coming from anyway so i've been kind of I was hoping for more out of this yeah. book than the seven pages we got. the The mysteries are great, um, and 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 they're well edited. They're well like for the most part. I found that they were pretty structurally understandable. I didn't get into the high level stuff yet, but my uh, my concern is that listening to what you had to say, I, I would be remiss if I wanted if I was to tell people you know spend the 60 bucks on this book or 40 dollars or I don't know how much it is in the states but it was like 60 here in Canada I, I could get it's I can 50 get, you, you yeah retail. I can get a lot more from bang for my buck on the DMs Guild itself since you mentioned the DMs Guild this is actually one of the things I did want to bring up this was also a little bit weird that this came out uh, I'm sure that Watsi's got this stuff planned out years in advance but it was last year, uh, the Anthony Joyce and Justice Armand released Elminster's Candlekeep Companion. All right. So this is a $15 supplement that is absolutely amazing. And Ed Greenwood, the original creator of Candlekeep, actually consulted on that one. And if you... The maps, it, this is like Candlekeep, Candlekeep Companion. Like, if you really want to dive into, like, the deep lore of Candlekeep, it is a insta-buy, as far as I'm concerned. So, check that out, too, if you want more Candlekeep. All right. So, uh, any other just overall thoughts, Tom, before we go into the ratings, uh, you know, of overall? But just anything about the book, anything else you want to touch on? Uh, no, I think we kind of we we hit the we hit the high points that a lot of these don't take place in Candlekeep. A lot of the adventures are cool, uh, but they're not necessarily mysteries. And there's not a, to me. There's just there's just not like it's there's so much potential, but there's just no. It doesn't it doesn't feel cohesive, you know. Right. It feels like I went to Subway and I got picked out all the wrong ingredients to put on the sandwich. <laughs> like it's just like that's how the only way I kept on thinking about it. All right. Well, fair enough. All right. So we'll move into our rating system here. So we always rate things on these reviews the same way. We have art and layout, crunch, fluff, and then an overall rating. And we have our own rating scale, which goes from a C- to an A+, because here at the RPG Academy, we don't talk about things that we just don't love. So even if we want to rate it kind of harshly, the worst we're going to give anything is a C minus, which is a hard, meh, don't No, it's all, it. no I, we'll say it. On my, my, my very scientific chart that I came up with a long time ago, a C minus, that is a hard pass, okay? <laughs> so we'll start with art and layout with Tom, because okay. uh, that's sort of your yeah. deal. Uh, so what are we looking at in terms of recycled art? Is this all new? Oh, what do you think of the art throughout? And then give us your rating. Okay, so the art, there isn't, there's, I, I couldn't find any, I, I go through this, and I try to find recycled art, and I couldn't find any recycled art. So that is good. Okay, uh, the maps are all over the place. Some are great. Some are not that great. So um, Chris Perkins, I you could have done better. Oh, I know, right? Oh, oh, that will yes, exactly. So it it goes all over the place as far as maps go. Uh, layout, okay. So this was weird for me because when I think of an anthology, I want to, I want every anthology to use like I want everyone to use the exact same layout, and I want everybody to just like you have blocks and you fill in the blocks, and there you go, and now everything's kind of the same. Uh, but that's not how these are. These adventures vary widely on layout. Some are great. And some are not. So, uh, if this one's a little bit tough because uh, the art is definitely, uh, definitely an A, but the layout is kind of a C. So I'm gonna go ahead and do. I'm gonna give this one a. I'm gonna give it a B for this. All right, and Kyle, what about you? Yeah, I don't really concern myself too much about art and layout, but that green door picture really captured me, and 
I I want now after reading the, the seven pages and wanting so much more, um, it it's yeah I I can't help but give it an A minus as a result because some of the adventures are laid out so perfectly for ease of understanding for the dungeon master. It's laid out for me. And and when you're writing people, you have to lay it out for the dungeon master. Don't lay it out for the player. Don't lay it out for yourself. Lay it out for the person who's going to be using your material. And you have to put it in the most codified, structured way so that they get what they need to move forward in the adventure. I, I liken it to board game rules. If you don't write the board game rules so that people can play your game, no one's going to play it. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at you every real grind game. Okay, all right. Um all right, uh, Michael, what about what, what yeah, what about yourself, Michael? Yeah, so I, again, I think I'm kind of right in line with both of you. I like the art, but if there's nothing there wasn't any pictures that were just really captured me. Uh but there's some that I think are really cool. There's some that are okay. I do like that every single book gets its own art. That's just kind of a <laughs> neat little thing. Uh there's a lot of different NPCs. There's some new monster like poses and that's that's kind of cool. Uh the maps that I looked at, again, some were cool, some were okay. Uh the layout doesn't really bother me because I kind of look at this each thing is its own individual piece. So the fact that it's not unified anyway doesn't really bother me. Plus I don't really look at layout either. I'm not experienced, I'm not educated about it, so it doesn't doesn't bother me. So I'm gonna give it a B. It's it's not to the point that it hurts the book to me, but it doesn't elevate it either. So I think a B is a fair rating. All right, so then we'll move into crunch. And this is basically any new rules or the way that the rules are presented outside of layout. But like, you know, can you use this stuff for your games uh, going forward? Can you use it in this adventure? So I'll start with you this time, Kyle. Um, is there anything crunch-wise? And this is kind of a light crunch because it's mostly monsters we yeah. already know. Uh, so, you know, there's not a lot of heavy crunch in here anyway, but we always try to rate it the same way just to make it consistent. So in terms of crunch... The crunch is pretty good for how you gain access to candle keep and then the structure of the ex the exterior the air courtyard area there's some good i don't know if you want to fall that into crunch or fluff it feels like it's the structure of the stuff so um it gives you some good rules about getting into candle keep and how to not get into candle keep so there's some nice stuff there and then i really did like the where raven lycanthropes and the that new piece that you can add as a sub a sub lineage for your character i you become aware raven it's kind of neat and the picture was good for that too i didn't get too much other crunch other than that and one thing that really irritates me is in the second adventure there's this ability to make these weird grizz gammons or whatever they're called i don't remember the word off the top of my head um these these things are really cool and one of the characters in the game knows the ritual for how to how to create these things how to summon them into existence and i think it's a really good ritual that you would want your players to have if they're going to do this adventure and walk away with something memorable um but then it's you know very very codified you cannot she will not teach them this lesson this is not something they can have um but it doesn't seem to be too too onerous or terrible so i i'm torn there so it's really good on a couple and then not so good so i give it a b minus if i have to give it a grade okay uh so crunch again the the adventure that i looked at there wasn't anything new it was just you know creatures or monsters you've already fought there's a little bit of a dungeon element so we get some some you know like laying out how you would go through a dungeon crawl so for me the crunch was just okay so i'm looking at a solid b as well again i don't think it elevates there's nothing here that stood out to me as like i can't wait to add this to my game but there wasn't anything that was really disappointing either uh tom okay uh so for me the thing that i really like about uh, some of these these newer D&D uh, &D books is that they've been referencing the Dungeon Master's Guide a lot more. So a lot of you can say what you want about the whole idea that you need so many books to ha really run this adventure, but you really do need the, the, the DMG for this, I think for this book particular, especially for the high level stuff, because there are multiple references two different charts and whatnot in the dmg so obviously you can just not go to those charts and make up your own stuff but i actually think it's cool referencing back 
to this book that I bought that I don't get to use a whole lot. So as I'm reading this, I'm like, oh yeah, I feel like I'm getting my money's worth now. I got to open up my DMG to go to one chart. I roll some dice. And so the, to me, that was that was really cool. The other thing that I really like is magic items, okay? And there are a, a lot of them in this. And uh, I wish that they would have been consolidated into, uh, I already kind of alluded to it, a single appendix. Uh, but the ones that are scattered throughout the book are great, especially the one in My Adventure. Uh, it is a total crunch thing. And it will, this, this nether scroll, it will literally increase your intelligence score. Okay? So that's just a flat, increases it by two. That's huge. So just the whole idea that that sort of high-level item is in here, I, I, really do, I really do like that. And I do like, like I said, I loved how they kept on referencing the stuff in the, the DMG. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say I'm going to give this an A-. minus. All right. All right, then we move to fluff. And this is basically the story elements, the, the world building, the lore, the things that you could take a piece apart if you wanted to and put it to other games. Uh, so I, I'll actually go first here. I actually really liked some of the fluff. I, I don't think Candlekeep is sold very well here, but I didn't really care about Candlekeep anyways. But in truth, this is the kind of book that's actually probably tailor-made for me uh, as someone who's always homebrewed because I would pick this book apart. I would take a map from one of the adventures, an NPC from another one, a background from a third, the magic item from a fourth, and I would put it together and make my own version of a story. And there's so many different elements that I could do that so many different times that I actually would get a lot of value from that as me as a DM. But I would, I, I, can't, I would never run any of these adventures as written, but I will steal from them quite a lot. Uh, I'm even, I'm currently running a 13th age game that I'm streaming, there will be parts of this book that will end up in that 13th age game, but they may not be recognizable or readily recognizable. So I actually really like the fluff. I think the art layout game was okay. The crunch was okay, but I think the fluff for me was solid. I'm going to give it an A because I do like all the different pieces and parts. And like, again, the adventure I, st I stole or talked about, there's some emotional stuff more than I am used to seeing in some of these books. I think there's effective uh, NPC relationships that are the kind of thing that I live for. Uh, so I really like that part. So Tom, what about you? Okay. So I was very torn because I'm very salty because I really wanted candle keep. Like yeah. I wanted it and it's on the cover. It's on the cover. And it's, I was, when this got announced at first, I did my, I did my regularly scheduled Tom complaining about another Forgotten Realms book. But then I was like, Candlekeep, this is a, a giant library. Growing up as a small, young, impressionable youth, I loved Beauty and the Beast in the big library. Like, that was like, and then the Sword and the Stone with all the, it was just like books. I loved magical book stuff. And I didn't get it. All right. So... That said, there was a lot of cool stories and whatnot, but I didn't get Candlekeep. So for that said, I'm giving it a C, which I think is the lowest score I've ever given anything. Ooh. And the, this is I, I preface this all by saying that there is so much cool adventure stuff here that I like, but because they did not give me Candlekeep, they're getting a C. Wow. Okay, Kyle, what about you, sir? Follow that. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> I wrote it down. I've read this and I immediately start thinking, what do I do with it? And for me, I would want to get, if I had the time, I would get four or five players who all wanted to create Lyra Penrose from the Golden Compass or any of the characters that you'd find in like, you know, the Wan Shitung in Avatar, the last airbender mm -hmm. in the spirit library, all of those classic library motifs that you see in the shows that you're like, oh, I want to be there doing that. The Harry Potter research related stuff. And Harry Potter's a great example for this too, because it's this big castle. You're kind of lost in there, always learning as much as you can. 
And I'd want to then make these characters somehow connected and in, in, in Candle Keep, and then put them through each of one of these adventures. And then when they're level 16 and they're just getting teleported because yet another book has stolen them away, uh, I feel like you would continue to bring back to the delight that is the, the fifth or sixth character that would be in this adventure, which is the building itself and, uh, and the environs. And we're not getting that from this but i kept thinking this this would be perfect for that sort of school romp uh getting in trouble in the stacks sort of game that you could have and then have these other adventures to give you different motifs different styles and your players would be familiar knowing okay this you're playing the same characters you're in you live here, you've been raised and grown here your whole life, and you're pursuing your adventure designation now, you're level one, and let's go on this adventure in the book and do them as they are laid out. And I started to get excited about that. So if I had the time, I would do it. But I don't have the time because I'm not willing to make the time for this game because I, I don't think that they gave me enough of the that fluff, that that element of Candlekeep itself that I could feel like I didn't have to do hours of backbreaking labor writing these descriptions, coming up with these environs now that I know that the DM's Guild has an Ed Greenwood researched book. Maybe this is a much more fundamental thing. So... Without that, though, it's a B minus. Hey, that's pretty cool. I'm not going to knock my current slated schedule of items off to put this on. But if I have that other book, yeah, this is an A plus. I mean, I, I'd be yeah. starting it today. So I, it's funny you mentioned that as I do actually really like the idea of setting this where you start your characters as avowed. Yeah, uh, because if you think about at least my adventure specifically, it just is, it just happens because someone walks by the right book. Who's going to have that happen? People who work in the library. So you have these, you know, kids as if they just constantly get sucked into books because, you know, if this one falls off, they get sucked in or they find out someone is like they keep asking, like maybe they put together a pattern like this is the fifth book. The same person is asked for. And the only connection is this, this and this. I think they're trying to become a demi-lich or what, you know, whatever. It's like, that's the the story is actually the characters in Candlekeep. I do agree, Kyle, you've sold me. That is a better book. That is a better oh, version. It, does. Of this it sounds book. so cool. Like, and there's so many things to draw from to get that. You could do this with that. And this is, I'm sold. Give me 20 extra pages of that material. And this yep. is a must buy. For sure. Mm -hmm. All right, so now we come to our final overall rating. So taking together all the things we already talked about, the art and layout, the crunch, the fluff, and then just anything else in general, any of our thoughts, uh, we want to give this an overall rating. Tom, what are you giving? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it a B minus because, that, like Kyle said, it's the, hey, that's pretty cool level. It's, it's There's stuff in here that I, I like, but because I don't have the, the stuff, it just it didn't feel cohesive to me. I just wasn't drawn back to it, which is really to me. That's it's which is it, why this makes it even worse for me. It's just because I was really, really wanting uh, what Kyle described, and so uh, uh, no, it's it's a B minus for me. There's a lot of cool adventures in here, so if you take this as just as a book of adventures, it's it's cool. But if you're going to this to expect to get Candlekeep, I don't know that you're going to get that. So. All right. And Kyle. It's tough. I don't want to give it an overall rating. I have mutuals on Twitter that wrote this book. I was going to buy it anyway because people <laughs> I know and respect are in here, like Amy Vorpal, Tony Winslow Brill, and Jennifer Kretschmer. Like, these are all people I have met in real life, interacted with, and I like them. And Christopher Perkins follows me on Twitter, so I got to I gotta get his stuff. But he follows, like, everybody. So I love it. Because I love the people that put their heart and soul into this book and into their writing here to come up with something interesting. And they've done some really wonderful modern day things because they've got modern day writers working on it. But at the same time, it's still it's not a functional thing that I'm going to go to. I'm going to snap my fingers and be like, that's what I'm running today, because none of the adventures yeah. in here have given me that I need to do this. So, yeah, yes. it ends up with a, a B minus at the end of the day, even though I really want to say I love this 
so much to those people who worked so hard on it. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat that you are, that there's elements of it that I really like. I do like that Wizards of the Coast is bringing in all these freelancers who are giving them a chance to work on Wizards of the Coast properties. And I know there's a business element to it. I'm sure it's cheaper than having a staff of writers. But from the standpoint of someone who who was had the honor of being on Dragon Talk once, I will remember that to the day I die. The fact that I got to be on the official Watsy podcast one time meant the world to me. And I imagine if I was someone who was writing DM's Guild stuff, then getting my name in an official Watsy book is probably like, going to be a, a huge moment for me. Now, s- stepping aside someone who had a really bad experience and probably wasn't happy, and there could be other people that also have the same boat but didn't talk about it, I don't know. But I think the idea of giving these people the opportunity to work and to have someone professionally edit and help them develop it, that's instrumental for them to becoming a more prolific and you know successful freelancer. So I love that Watsy is doing that for people even though it is self-serving. But it's kind of a weird book. It's it's not really what it says it is, and it's not really the best version of what it actually is. But it's also a great book for me personally. Usually when I do these ratings, I try to do it like someone who's new. Yeah. Who's like, you know, I'm starting to like, is this a good book for someone who's new to DMing? And if I was giving that rating for this book, it would be lower, probably in, in probably in a C. But for me... This is almost exactly what I want from books because I'm going to ignore the stuff I don't care about anyways. But even then, I think it's overpriced. I think all of the Watsy books basically are 50 bucks. I think as is at $30, this is probably a solid A, even though, again, there's the DM's Guild thing that's even cheaper. But at 50 bucks, the best I can give this is a B. Uh, there's pieces and parts I think can be stolen, but I don't think cohesively it's good for a newer DM because I think they're going to be confused because they're going to think they all go together and they don't. Some of them are mysteries. Some of them are not. Why is it called Candlekeep when Candlekeep's not really important? So I'm going to give it a B, kind of cut the middle ground. It would be a C for someone new. It would be an A for just me personally. So I'm going to give it a B. All right, Tom, anything before we wrap up and sign off? Uh, no, I, I, I'm – Thank you both. I feel like this was a solid review. Stuff we love, stuff we didn't, but I feel like we were able to be uh, critical and objective. So thank you both for that. All right. Uh, Kyle, one more time, where can people find you and your stuff on the internet? If sure. Want to I want to say one stuff? more thing about the book, though. I don't think, I think sure. this book is the least likely to be reprinted of all of the books they've released to date. And that's saying a lot because of some of the, the yeah. some of the other books that they've released are great. This book, probably the least likely to ever get a reprint so you know one day this book is going to be a collector's item because they're probably never going to print it again oh all right i'm gonna hold on to my collector's edition and maybe put my kids yeah. through college theros is probably was for like before that theros was on my list of like yeah least likely to be reprinted and this now takes that bench so i completely forgot about not that book. saying <laughs> not saying it's bad material not saying it's a bad book just saying that it is not it's not going to be widely yep. appealing and people aren't going to be running out based on the reviews it's forgetting to buy the second edition of it. It's no curse of Strahd. Exactly. So, so with that yep. being said, I'm Kyle. Thanks so much for listening to this. Check out my stuff at taverntales.ca. You can find Tavern Tales wherever podcasts can be found. I also release in every other, every other week on Tuesday, uh, Tavern Tales Jr. It's me and my two kids and a bunch of their friends running them through homegrown homebrew adventure. For the last three years, and in January of this year, we started the Humblewood Chronicles, and we went through the Humblewood, where they're all playing bird folk, and it's an utter delight. They are some of the best improvisers and character actors I've ever had a chance to work with. You should definitely check that out. It is also wherever podcasts can be found. Awesome. All right. Fantastic. All right, Tom, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at BezcarTom on Twitter. And then also, as always, feel free to uh, drop us a line if you're interested in joining our Discord and chatting on there. All right. And as for myself, Michael, everything I do can be found at the RPG Academy. Uh, just a reminder that we review other things besides Watsy Hardbacks. Uh, so if you have a game that you would like for us to consider for a review, please get in contact uh, and we'll see what we can work out. We make no promises because we do live by the motto that we only talk about what we love. So if we get something from someone and we just don't like it, you're just never going to hear about it. We won't say we don't like it. We're just not going to talk about it. Uh, so with that, we're going to sign off. But before we go, 
we want to impart one little piece of wisdom. And that is, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.